The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbel. Welcome to it. Monday's here at Tail Bar City. We're powered by Cornhead Lager. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Connor Clark in today. Hope you're all right. Good weekend. Plenty of NFL action to hit on. Big recruiting weekend for the Big Red. We'll get to a new hire reported by On3 for Nebraska football as part of their administrative staff. We'll tell you about and uh, we'll get locked in with the Black Shirt Hour in Hour 2. Open phones and Hour 1 wide open for you at 489-1240 or 800-825-5865. can email chris at hailvarsity.com or just jump in the stream and uh, check in that way with the Hail Varsity YouTube channel. Uh, subscribe to that. Give us a, a like as well. And uh, tell your friends, also the Hale Varsity Radio Twitter feed at HVarsity Radio. You can follow that and watch the show that way. KFOR Twitter and KFOR Facebook. Find Elijah on Twitter at Herbal Essence. Connor Clark's Twitter slash X is still 17 caricatures long at C <laughs> underscore Clark underscore 27. Find me, Chris Schmidt, at Schmidt underscore radio. How we doing? Did we make money at the book this weekend? I know you called a ball game, Nebraska-Northwestern on KRNU. Big Red got a win. We'll uh, talk tournament. uh, Hold on. We'll talk path (laughs) to the tournament for Nebraska basketball as well as we get into that big one against Ohio State. Elijah, you uh, you tipped one back last night. I was jealous. I was going to catch up with you for a beer, but I just kept playing the old man card, man, and I just – Hung out at home after a little exercise. That was it. I did nothing. I did not go out despite the temperatures being uh, nice. Charlie McBride's with us in an hour as well, Mr. Blackshirt. Yeah, we'll get to roll call here in just a second as well. But, yeah, you, you missed out. You missed out. Me and Connor went to a local establishment, tipped back a couple cornhead yeah. loggers. Well, wasn't a bad night. <laughs> it was good. And you, well, you also got a, a, a dirty Arnold Palmer. Uh, John, John Daly. Daly. John a, yeah, Daly. Guys, me. yeah, I mean, it just it takes on – New meaning when you add vodka. <laughs> I mean, it, yeah, it does, but it was good. I How mean, many? Not uh, just one. Really? It was Sunday. <laughs> I had class today. That's fine. Sometimes we'll sneak off uh, closer to home and have five or six uh, old John Davis. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> if they're on and they're on special where I go. <laughs> but yeah, the uh, the uh, sweet tea and lemonade is fantastic. It's even better with. Uh, Uncle Andy's favorite, McCormick's. Mm. <laughs> you're like, mm, mm. <laughs> you're going to start the car with that? <laughs> let's get you to roll call. As uh, If you're one of the first five in, well, let's just not lie, uh, first ten in, we give you a shout-out. But uh, roll call slash our starting five in the stream. Competitive top five today. It is. Anthony checks in, and he got in at 325, nudging out Black Hills Brennan by just a minute at 326. Our dear friend uh, Brian Snitley in third. NU Grandpa says he's here for the worms. <laughs> uh, in at three, Jeff checks in at four. Andrew makes a way in at five. Patrick uh, sneaks in at uh, six. And then her dizzle. Mm-hmm. 
uh, along with Dion, gets in there. So shout out to all of you. Brandon also in. And uh, we'll get to your comments here. So let me ask this, and we'll get to it here in, in a little bit. But the, the topic of tortured fan base, right? And, and the Bills are absolutely that with the, the way the kick went. And uh, we'll hear Jim Nance's call shortly. But the Bills are there. Do you consider Nebraska – Nebraska basketball, do you consider Nebraska football? And I defer to you two because I know the last decade for football hasn't been great. I know the one-score losses are heart-wrenching, and that's been multiplied multiplied by tenfold compared to the last-second occasional Oklahoma bone crusher, right? When I was growing up or when uh, Sooner Magic was alive and well in the 70s, you hear ghost stories about but you fast forward to now, and, and you have one-score losses to the Marylands of the world that are, that are no disrespect to Maryland, but they're 8-5 football teams, right? They're, they're not a team competing or on the doorstep of a national championship like those Oklahoma teams were in the 80s and in the 70s. And then, uh, you know, Nebraska's football program, I don't – yes, you've been tortured as a fan with how losses have gone, but I think the, uh, the upswing will be real nice. Uh, with Coach Rule uh, moving forward. Basketball, brother, they find new ways, and it, it even got scarier on Saturday where, you, where you're up and you just can't get past that 11-point lead. There's there's no uh, put Northwestern down like you did to Purdue, like you did to North uh, to Indiana. Well, I'd say currently in the across the landscape of college sports, there is no more tortured fan base than Nebraska in the college landscape. Look yeah. at this comment from Anonymous. This came in at 354, okay. and it's evidence of – what if you want to call it? I usually call it the Husker PTSD. If you want to call it the tortured nature of the Husker fan base, that works too. Anonymous chimes in on the stream and says, Ryola threw a pick on Friday, so I immediately flew to Vegas and put down 4-8 and eight on next year's record. <laughs> After, But listen. He Is that had, not the definition of a tortured fan base? You see a pick in an all-star game and you, you say, worst case scenario is coming. And you overreact. It's like the Bills fans Paranoia. that see the field goal formation in a three-point game and say, well, he's going to miss it. Wide right. They're right. but <laughs> It happened, and it was horrible or, for, or, for Bills fans. Or look at Husker basketball. What happens whenever Nebraska drops a road game to Iowa and then drops sky a road game falling. to Rutgers? The sky is falling. The wheels have fallen off. It's worst-case scenario for Jawan Gary. This team's going to miss the tournament. That is the definition of Husker PTSD in a tortured fan base, expecting the wheels to fall off whenever you encounter a slight well, hiccup. You've just seen it if, happen. If Kansas were to lose two straight road games in Big 12 play, Kansas fans would be disappointed, but they would look at that and say, this is a hiccup in the road. Bill Self will get him right. This is too talented of a basketball team for these struggles to continue. Their their disappointment would go from Final Four or Elite Eight to, man, we might not get to the Sweet 16 this year. Yeah. Well, can <laughs> it's I, all in perspective. Can I say this about the, the whole basketball thing? At least, like, I'm going from when I started school here, so the 2020-2021 season. I wouldn't say if you're a basketball fan in that span that you're a tortured fan base because the first three years of Fred, they're just bad. I mean, they were there was just no bad. hope. Yeah, they they were just bad. They weren't winning games. They weren't even close with the good teams. You could say there were a couple instances last year where you could make the argument, and then yeah, like you get destroyed at Iowa. You go to Rutgers was a heartbreaker there. Jawan Gary gets injured, but. On the bright side, I mean, he's not done-done. I mean, he's a game-time decision tomorrow, and 
you beat a, I think, a pretty good Northwestern team. Football, I think the obvious answer is absolutely. Because, again, if we're going off of, at least for me, when I got here in 2020, they were 15-29. and 29. They lost 21 of those games by a score or less. Think about that. 21 of those 29 losses in a span of four years have been by one score. That is the most tortured fan base in college football, and it's not a debate, there, in my opinion. No, th- there's different levels of torture, though, right? There's you're losing by a score or less, and you're not going to postseason. Mm-hmm. You're not even in contention for anything in November. Then we go to, to like the Bills, where can they break through and, and get to a Super Bowl in the Mahomes era? Or are they just... This fan base is literally shoveling out their stadium yeah, for them to lose. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, they're jumping into 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 holes, man, <laughs> without uh, Tennessee whiskey. Well, let's let's be clear. If Nebraska makes an NCAA tournament game and it was promised, if you jump in this hole, one person is sacrificed to South Stadium, Nebraska, <laughs> win an NCAA tournament game. It's kind of like blowing up the South uh, South uh, end zone, yeah, right? Fans would be lining up to jump in that pit. Well, they'd be lining up to suggest a couple people look, to throw in that. Look pit. at anonymous Nebraska not having an NCAA tournament win. Anonymous right now just seems absolutely tortured right now. So you might be the definition of a tortured Husker fan. Thanks for chiming in, anonymous. We do appreciate you uh, saying not having an NCAA tournament win was already a big deal in 1991, 33 years ago. Which right. he, he's got and, a point. And now, and now you're it. You're the only team not across the Power Five, across the Power Six when you look at basketball. Throw the Big East in there. The only team to never win a tournament game. No, you're it, and you're, you're, you're the only team to not get to a bowl game the last five years. You're tortured. So you are tortured, and you're not even tortured from not winning that championship. You're not even getting to play with the rest of the kids <laughs> to be in it. Uh, we'll take your calls here. 489-1240. Are we going to the lines? Yes, we have uh, Jonathan from Omaha on the line. All right, we got to go top shelf here on that. Jonathan, thanks for calling, bud. Go for it. Hey, so kind of two things, right, as far as us being like a tortured fan base. Uh, I would say as far as basketball, I don't, I can't say that we're tortured because like we haven't seen the peak of the mountain like we have in football. Like I'm, a, I'm a casual basketball fan, and I, honestly, us beating up Purdue this year to me was like the peak of the mountain. That's what it felt like personally. Even, even if we don't make the tournament. Hey, at least we'll be number one, I guess. And uh, at number two, as far as like maybe a tortured fan base, they kind of talked about this on ESPN Radio earlier about uh, the Bills fans being tortured. Don't get me wrong, and how you know, they're taking it personally. But like, I don't know how personal you can take it from a, from a professional team aspect. At least from a college aspect, you know, you know, there's a lot of states that don't have professional sports, so it's more personal. There's people that have gone to the university, so it's, it's just more intimate to me with like college fan base is being tortured i guess uh that's all i got thank you guys jonathan appreciate you thanks for the phone call no that's fair and i mean it, it hits close to home in a pro market and a pro team you've got a lot of diehards i mean how many times did they show the guy that's in his late 80s that was alive and went to the last detroit championship in 57 well, i was thinking how many poor bills fans do you see in the helmet and shoulder pads and jersey and pants in the stands last night like that's a monetary investment to make into a team to that's never it. have them, win. them and the sabers right i mean those are their two loves up there where there's 50 feet of snow every other week and they're shoveling out the stadium for minimum wage. Yeah, literally. <laughs> they, like, come they, on. They, they are special. They are incredible. And Chris Kelsey was talking last week with us just about how the Nebraska fan base and, and the Bills are, are, are kindred spirits. And you want to see 
someone break through there, except in Chiefs country. <laughs> you still got a, a, a dynasty role in here. Who's with us? We got Tom on the line. Tom, thanks for calling. Go for it. Hey, Schmitty, thanks a lot. The, what do you uh, got, bud? Tor- the modern-day tortured fan base for Nebraska has to, be, uh, has to do with the uh, first half officiating in the, at these home basketball games. Yeah, PBA, uh, I mean, they either come in or get in line, and uh, the the emotion is enhanced. Saturday and, was and, rough. Yeah, and PBA does a great job of uh, catering to uh, those uh, alcohol needs, and, and a couple of spots in the rail yard do an amazing job of catering to the alcohol needs, so you sure. get all primed up. But again, we, we kind of, this is a this is an angrier basketball fan base this year for Nebraska than I've ever kind of witnessed and seen because they they, they want it to happen so bad. And, yeah, Husker Hoops totally tortured because they've never had the success. And I think that'll change. I mean, Fred's done a great job, so this isn't piling on him or his kids. This is just, you know, a 30,000-foot view in comparison to, to Buffalo. Oh, uh, yeah, different exactly. Different tiers, though, where Buffalo's in the postseason – <laughs> right. Nebraska's trying to get to postseason. Right. Well, the case in hand in the first half when uh, Bryce Williams just puts his hand on, mm-hmm. on a player from Northwestern's back and draws his, draws his third foul and, and then did not push him at all whatsoever. There's a few phantom calls, uh, but, uh, Tom. I, I tell you that uh, I, watched, I watched this numerous times. Casey's three with 32 seconds left. Don't tell the officials, but uh, don't tell the officials not to watch this. But I think he took more, way more than two steps before he let that ball go. Yeah, he had really? the ball a gather plus two. A gather plus two. <laughs> uh, it, it was about three or four, but you know, we they deserved this one. Tom, I like it. We'll see you again. Thanks for the phone call, bud. Appreciate you. Uh, good stuff from Tom. Yeah, that's that's a whole nother topic. I thought the officiating on Saturday was. Not up to par both ways, honestly. Oh, it I mean, sucked. There were, there were there were some things where like, okay, how is that not a foul on on Bright? Like, the boo booey charge that wasn't a charge was a little questionable. Obviously, the Bryce Williams call was like, okay, what are we doing here? It just kind of stuff like that. And then it was weird in the second half too, because at one point, Northwestern was ahead in the foul category six to three, and then literally ninety seconds later, it was even at six. So that was something that I thought was quite interesting. I know I was calling the game, so I'm not supposed to officiate the game, but I was that was something <laughs> in the back of my mind. I was like, huh, this is a little interesting. But on the other side, can we can we admit like in the Big Ten, the the big advantage of the officials that they have is that booing is fun. Oh, you you let <laughs> and, and Nebraska's good at it. Yeah, Nebraska's great at booing. Like sometimes I I think the officials get it right, and I'm in the stadium. I'm going to boo along too because booing is fun. Booing is one of the most fun things you can do at a sporting event besides cheer. <laughs> I would rather boo the other team, I think. <laughs> but, boo- I mean, booing the refs. There's a Chicago one for you right there. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> you want to talk about tortured fan bases? I'm just kidding. But, but you guys are kind of over that now with your Cubs winning in 16. I'm just talking strictly Bears. But, okay. yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Overall, overall, I would say no. At least not a White Sox But fan. I'm saying strictly Bears. White Sox fans are also tortured because of just how poorly it's that It's been 19 run. years. And they just can't seem to get anything right in the front office. But that can be a conversation for another day. I know many White Sox fans are very upset about a lot of things going on there. Well, we can dive in and and take some more therapy phone calls or emails or in the stream comments. Uh, Do you consider yourself a tortured 
Nebraska fan. You might be a tortured Bills fan right now, and there's enough alcohol and tobacco to, to get you through today after another wide ride. You can find us on Twitter at HVarsity Radio, Hail Varsity YouTube channel. We'll tell you about Nebraska's recruiting weekend, more thoughts on Husker basketball, and a new name uh, to be Nebraska's GM. We'll tell you that. It's coming up here, a Monday edition. It's Hail Varsity Radio. We're powered by Cornhead Lager. Hail Varsity Radio is live. Now, back to Schmitty. Schmitty's a great guy, but he don't have a brain. And Elijah. You want me to speak? When I point you, yeah. On Hail Varsity Radio. Back with you, Tail Varsity. We're powered by Cornhead Lager, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Cotter Clark. Let's get the news out. Nebraska expected to hire TCU GM Anthony Crespino. This reported by Matt Lennitz and uh, on three national. So, hey, in the world of college football with NIL, with Transfer Portal, with uh, roster management that is necessary because you've got NIL and NIL scholarships. You have scholarships. You have uh, recruiting that is 12 months, this job. And uh, reality is there's no sleep till Brooklyn, uh, honestly, for Nebraska or programs trying to make a move or maintain their power, right? So a little bit of a a backstory here on uh, Anthony Crespino. Uh, he was able to go from SMU to uh, TCU and, and work with Sonny Dykes at TCU, and now he's making the, the jump again on three reporting this. He was assistant director of football operations at Northwestern for 2016-2017 at Texas State. Before that, director of recruiting at TCU under Dennis Francione at 2012. And if you look at those teams post uh, 2012 at TCU, what a really good run there by Gary Patterson and some uh, some guys that went to the NFL, uh, director of ops at Western Michigan. So he knows uh, Big Ten country, and he spent time down in Texas. So, hey, uh, go for it. And if this guy's been evaluated and Rule wants to have a, a GM, so to speak, it's kind of what you got to have and need in college football in today's era. Are we concerned about his jumping of different Christian faiths, though, going from Methodist to Christian? No stops at Notre Dame just yet. I'm kidding. I, that's no, for I, I, yeah, I, I don't. Uh, that's, that's a discussion we'll have to have later on. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, but no. It's a press no, conference question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Elijah Herba. Be that guy. Uh, heard ad media. Uh, <laughs> have you been excommunicated yet? <laughs> okay. <laughs> What is your take on the Pope? <laughs> <laughs> you got to follow up. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Welcome to Nebraska. We're, we're talking torture and uh, <laughs> tortured fan bases. That's an interesting transition going from the Christian uh, church to torture. No, I'm just, no. I'm saying we're, we're talking. weird if you make it weird. Torture. Here's our ranking, all right? This is and going off the rails quickly. A little bit. A little bit. You show up and, and uh, sorry, all hell guys. freezes over, right? So, 
Bills and Cleveland. Do you agree or disagree from an NFL standpoint? It was the Lions up until this year. I guess it, yeah. I don't think it really changes depending on what happens next year. You got a couple of playoff wins. You you you've relinquished your spot in the mountaintop of tortured fan bases for the Lions this year. Fair. I, think. I agree. I yeah, think I, I think, think Cleveland so. and, and Buffalo though are, are both accurate. And Cleveland's always like botched the quarterback. Okay, so that's. Yep. The hope that, that never comes through. Santa doesn't show up again. Where are the Chargers at in tortured fan bases? They're just, they have talent. They haven't made the right hire. That's what I'm and, saying. And I don't think uh, currently there's enough Chargers Herbert's fans. only like 25 or 26. And then well, then you move. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you yeah. move to L.A. where people really don't care about football on Sunday. So, I don't know. Chargers, uh, there, and there are Chargers fans that yearn for the bearded era of uh, Dan Fouts and company, but I can't, put, I can't put the Chargers there because they've been all right. I mean, they had Drew Brees and said, I'm not going to pay you. I mean, they've, they've been stuck in mediocrity, it feels like, yeah. for two decades. Sure. But they're, they're just, they're, they're closer. They're one season away. Cleveland got a little tease this year with Flacco. And they built a good defense. But with Buffalo, though, I mean, let's hear this. This is Jim Nance. This is Mr. Godfather of play-by-play. This is, this is old Jimbo getting a, a death warrant signed by Bill's Mafia <laughs> during the call, during the moment last night. 44 yards pass. No, he doesn't make it. Wide right. Two most dreaded words in Buffalo have surfaced again. That's just so uncalled for. <laughs> no, that is unbelievable. It was, it was in the moment, and he's he's right. The most dreaded words in Buffalo. Well, imagine Connor. Mace is out. Imagine Fickle if, is Einhorn. Imagine if you will, Connor, hear that the uh, the I Bears every single postseason their postseason ends in a doink. Yeah, I I know. I when he missed the kick last night, I was like, oh my goodness, this is like shades of that game for me at least. I was like, this is horrendous. You give yourself a chance to win. Now I get it. This is year after year after year for Buffalo, and it always seems to come against Kansas City. And yeah, I, that that would be exactly like Jim Nance saying, oh my goodness, double doink, the two most famous words in Chicago, and then everybody would riot. But the the uh, the the. The Norwood reality, though. I mean, did you see the jerseys on Twitter last night, where they <laughs> they had Bass's last name all the way to the right side of the back of the jersey, and the yeah. last two letters were on the on the sleeve. They were they were so wide right, falling off <laughs> falling off the jersey because there's Norwood jerseys people, and you have OJ up there. I mean, he's still your all time leading rusher. <laughs> Buffalo is making a case. Uh, Chris tweets in. Uh, I think you need to include Jets fans into the conversation. Yeah, they finally true. get themselves a Pro Bowl quarterback. Can't even uh, have one last before <laughs> the first play before going down the whole season. That's fair. I mean, the Jets are there. One of the most famous plays in Jets history is the butt fumble, the butt fumble, fumble. which is that's pretty <laughs> tortured. Mm. Uh, well, you have uh, Jeff check- checking in here. Uh, Falcons fan Jeff. Says, I hate the Chiefs. Uh, they hate that the Chiefs won. Uh, Andrew's a, a clear Chiefs fan. Hater's going to hate. Uh, but uh, <laughs> Are the Falcons in that conversation at all? No, they've been, been to two Super Bowls. They've been to two Super Bowls. But the 28-3. But the way that they lost it. Oh, to blow a 28-3 to lead, you mean? Yeah, I mean, that is like the epitome <laughs> of torture, in my opinion. I mean, you. 
Obviously, you're good all year, but then, I mean, you blow the biggest I, lead in Super Bowl I history. I think Vikings fan has a strong argument. Yeah. Have you, have, there's a whole docu-series on, on YouTube right now. Secret Base did a really, really good job with this, if you're a Vikings fan or you want to know a little more, about how the Vikings, in terms of win differential, how many more wins than losses that you have, Vikings are number two in the NFL and they don't have a Super Bowl, which is a pretty incredible that stat. Bad, yeah. And they were the squad in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Great quarterback, great defense. And even in in the Warren Moon era, <laughs> when they had Moss and they were throwing punts up to him and Chris Carter, they were great. Robert Smith at running back. Now, I don't want to be this guy. You're a Bears fan. Go ahead and unload. No, I'm not. I'm, this is not Bears related. This is everybody in America is not going to like me for saying this, except for the people who root for this team. What about the Cowboys? Were they tortured? I mean, they do the same thing every year after being good. Get back to me after 10 more years of failure. That's when I can ask the question. They're not tortured. No, they, they, they listen, Dallas has gotten what they deserve. Well, what see, I, what, what and I, what that's I, what, what I, the rest of America what, thinks. What too. I mean by that is you've got an owner who's brilliant, but kind of getting up there and mm-hmm. it's still, he's still the dictator. Okay. So. He's got to be talked down from drafting the Johnny Manziels of the world. He's yeah. got to show off his brain. Look, I found Dak. Great. And he has drafted pretty well. And he's also whiffed. I mean, it's the, the, the crapshoot of the draft. He does not want anyone there to challenge his authority. That's just all there is to it. He wants a kind of a coach that uh, will, will be a yes man <laughs> and, and go from there. Cowboys fans far too arrogant to be tortured That's from fair. her dazzle. I, I will totally agree with that. Uncle Andy's a Cowboys fan. He's not arrogant. But, but you, you had the heyday of, of Aikman, Irvin, incredible defense. You had Dion. You had Emmett Smith. You had Jimmy Johnson. And you punt the guy after winning two championships just to rub his face in it. And you bring in Switzer. Switzer wins one. And then since then, it's, it's been Audi 5000. So they've gotten what they've deserved. They had a great thing going. Jimmy would probably still be coaching. Well, they they had a great thing going. The the problem is for me, it was all before me slash when I was two years old. <laughs> so those old it, well, well, it doesn't it doesn't apply to me mentally. Well, let's bring this back to Nebraska here real quick. Is Nebraska at the mountaintop of of college football's tortured fan bases? When you look around, is it the Mount Rushmore? They're, they're, they yeah, I gotta at least be top four. See, you had such a listen, and this is my perspective on it. Um, again, Nebraska, kind of like Dallas, you did this to yourself. Mm-hmm. You had a good thing going with a couple of guys yeah. that were winning nine games, and you're a hell of a lot closer to 10, 11, 12. If you're at nine, then hitting reset. Okay, so that's Nebraska's own fault, and it's caught up with him. You had such a, you had such a 50-year run where you're top 10, top five, you're winning 10 ball games, you're winning nine ball games, and... 21st century argument I think could be made. I mean, you're, yeah. Sorry, the the 90s aren't that long ago to me. Or even the the, the bow years aren't that long. It's 10 years where they were were good. They were good football teams. But but the problem is, is the teams that never had success, unlike in the NFL, the college teams that never had success don't have a fan base. They don't have a fan base to be tortured. If it was anywhere else that had, had kind of fallen off the cliff like this, you're done. I mean, I think you could have made an argument 
five years ago that Tennessee was the most tortured fan base, but I don't think yeah. they can do that anymore now that they've had a, a couple of ten and two type seasons. They've, they've got their higher right, and they've they've won some big balls. And Stop they took down McDonald's bags. Yeah, well, or they. Or they kept doing it, and now it's legal. Now, well, now they don't have to, <laughs> to, to hide it. No, they, you just get the right hire, and, I, and you're okay. I think 10 years ago, you'd have an argument for maybe Michigan being one of the more tortured fan bases. Early 2000s, it was probably Bama before no, the they ca- got No, the Cowboys argument applies to the Michigan thing. There were two average. I think the Cowboys argument applies to the Michigans, the Nebraskas, the Miamis. Well, anyone that's been good and screwed up a good thing going, that's kind of your own fault. But Miami doesn't have like fans that show up to their games anymore. Like how much, how tortured can your fan base be if you only have thirty thousand people? They're in the middle up? of nowhere. That's why mm-hmm. they're that, they're just not in a prime. I, I just maybe somebody can call in or leave a comment in the stream chat if if they think I'm way off here. But I can't think of a college football team off the top of my head that is more tortured as of right now. When you look at January twenty second, twenty twenty four. Than Nebraska, I think that's I think that's a fair take. Yeah, I mean Texas went to a playoff. Texas is no longer tortured. No, they're yeah. back apparently. Almost fine. <laughs> USC is is underachieving, but they still are are good, right? But and, and same with Miami. I mean, Miami's winning eight, seven, eight, nine ball games. Uh, Tim checks in. Perlman is gone. We are no longer being tortured. Did you watch the past ten seasons, Tim? <laughs> but, but, but those I are still some, earlier. Those are still some remnants. The 21 one-score losses in the last four seasons. Come on. That, that is. Get and that we're head. talking creative ways to lose. Like, you, you yeah. found ways to lose ball games in football that you've seen, and at least it stopped in basketball. In, in PBA, it stopped. Uh, we'll have some more NFL thoughts. I'm going to take more of your, your torture takes uh, when it comes to fan bases. Thanks uh, for clarifying. <laughs> 489 And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, 489-1240. It's Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Cornhead Lager. You hear us across the Hale Varsity Radio Network and chime in toll-free at 800 825 5865, some calls earlier and plenty of thoughts in the stream we'll get to on the uh, tortured fan bases uh, that exist. Buffalo, uh, give your Bills fan a hug. And uh, there's a lot of Chiefs fans out there that are smiling. They've been able to flip the switch. Reminder to get buckled up. Use your seatbelt. It saves lives. It prevents injuries only if properly worn. Make it click. A message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. I'm not ready to go there for football, despite what they've done in one-score losses the last 10 years. I am saying basketball, there's been too many good points made in the stream. Uh, Basketball has has been tortured because they've had some moments. They've had more moments of frustration, not recently. I mean, yes, recently with the Rutgers loss, but I think Fred's okay is what I'm saying. Hopefully not tomorrow. Right. Uh, You you can't step on yourself uh, against Ohio State. You found a way to survive Northwestern. Dion is emphatic. Yes, we are. Number one tortured fan base. I think it's inarguable if you're under the age of 35. Exactly. It's an age thing. It's an age thing. If you've seen some national titles, that helps. Mm-hmm. Uh, for, You've gone to a few. For, tho- for those of time. us under the age of 35 that have never seen Nebraska even sniff a national championship or a conference championship. Or a bowl game. For you, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you tell me this. I mean, you, you remember the, the Music City Bowl. Oh, yeah. It got a little ugly, then it got close, and then uh, Tennessee covered. I mean, my, my first real memories of 
of Nebraska football were the last two years of Callahan. Okay. That's when it, it started, you know, being like like so, uh, so Zach actual memories. And I, I have some, like, what was that? The Alamo Bowl against Michigan. Sure. I remember, was that 2004? It was uh, 05 season. 05 season, yeah. I remember that pretty well, which was the second to last year of Callahan, I believe. Um, I remember Texas Tech putting up like 70 on Nebraska. <laughs> Wow. Watch that one in my aunt's I, house. Shout, out, shout the, out to Aunt Sarah. <laughs> I, I asked the pirate, like, what? what? Why? Pirate's like, they didn't change their defense. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good reason. <laughs> can't, can't fault them. Uh, yeah. If it's working, I mean. Hell, Schmidt, they didn't change their defense. <laughs> All right, pirate, 70 to 10. How about you, though, Connor, as, as like a, a, a native Chicagoan, the Nebraska perception is... Not lovable losers, but man, can't can't even get in, invited to the party. No, I would say, well, from my experience, I could easily say it's a tortured fan base. I mean, again, they, did you ever feel that way about Northwestern? No, because they don't it, have fans. Yeah, it, well, it's, it's, <laughs> honestly, though, like what Elijah said earlier, when they're not playing good football, Ryan Field is empty. Same thing with basketball. Like, and, Welsh Ryan Arena is empty when they're playing and bad I basketball. can't feel bad for fans that don't show up to watch a bad team. Like, the Denver Nuggets. I'm, I'm a big-time Denver Nuggets fan. Most Nuggets fans didn't feel bad for themselves whenever the Nuggets were bad because they didn't show up. Hmm. There wasn't a fan base to speak of that was tortured. You can't be tortured if you're not paying attention I, to the games. I, I agree. And, like, again, you know, like even, even this year, like, Ryan Field, from a Northwestern perspective, was pretty – Empty. Now you could say, well, it's because it's Ryan Field. It's a it's a dump, whatever. But it, like even even with basketball in the like the first couple of years of their new renovation to Welsh Ryan, those teams were not very good. They were like a couple games below five hundred, and that place was empty. So I I can't put that fan base on the tortured list because as Elijah said, if you don't show up when you're losing. Are you really getting tortured by the results? I mean, probably the, not. The tree falls in the woods. This yeah. is the top of the list in terms of tortured fans in college basketball, at least in the Big Ten's Indiana. Am I wrong there? Based on what they've been since Victor Oladipo, they've been pretty terrible ever since then. They have been. Uh, I wouldn't say they've been terrible when, since then, but they've the, been underachieving. There are, there's so sure. much like Nebraska, their basketball and football comparisons. Uh, let's hit some NFL. Are you guys good with the uh, the matchups? I didn't have a dog in the fight. I wanted to see great football. I did. I saw Bills. I saw Chiefs. Enjoyed the heck out of that ball game, and it flew by. I'm not upset Kansas City made it. I would have been good with Buffalo. I want to see a great AFC championship. I want to see a great Super Bowl. Uh, I think Detroit is so much fun. I love Campbell. His energy is great. And San Fran, um, San Fran as good and as smart as they are and as talented as they are, they could screw around and, and, and lose. Well, you know, because we, I think Shanahan's, Shanahan's, Shanahan's ego is a little too big. Well, and and, I, and he's great. I, I called the Packers to win that football know, game on Friday, and I almost it. nailed it because I I'm talked so about the didn't. rust versus rest aspect of it, and the 49ers looked like a rusty football team for about the first 50 minutes of that game. Well, if, if, yep. if, if Samuel's not healthy, it, it screws their team up. Well, if Brock Purdy has any sort of pressure in his face whatsoever, well, like like, like the the Packers are bringing four and making Brock Purdy very very uncomfortable in that pocket, and he looked like a different quarterback. And as much as it pains me to say it, on the other side with that matchup, 
Jared Goff is playing very good football right now. That entire Lions team is playing very good football well, right now. They could easily go into 49er territory and win that game, and, in my opinion. I, I, I feel the, good for Goff. I look at the teams that remain in the postseason, and usually to make it to the Super Bowl, you need to have solid quarterback play, solid defense, and a good rushing attack. That's 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 usually the hallmarks. At least a quarterback that takes care of the football and plays screams well. Screams Kansas City, doesn't it? To me, it screams Lions-Ravens. Those are the two teams. Like, Lamar Jackson is playing like a true MVP right now. He had a fantastic – I know the stats might not look like it, but he had a fantastic day on Saturday. I think that game's going to be fantastic. Yeah, I can't, I can't wait for it. I, Jared, Jared Goff is playing well within himself, trusting his defense and trusting Jameer Gibbs really coming on strong late in the season. I look at, at those two teams as being like – they got the things that usually find you success late in the season. A solid running game, a quarterback that takes care of the football and does what's asked of him, and a defense that plays really well. That's those two teams to me. Kansas City, though, got to warm up with the mobile quarterback treatment – you know, not mm-hmm. that, not that they're going to be. Kansas City's defense is much improved. That's yeah, true. They they're they got a run game and they're not afraid to lean on it. And they even leaned on it in the red zone. They just had the wrong running back carrying the football with the fumble out of bounds. Mm-hmm. Here's Andy Reid afterwards, uh, after last night's uh, gutty road win in Buffalo. It's like again, every time we play one of Sean's teams, it's, it comes right down to the end. He's done a phenomenal job here, and a phenomenal job this year, like coach of the year level coaching. If we don't play them again, I'm good with that. I'm so proud of our guys. Uh, here is Josh Allen on the kicker protection program. You know, I wish it wouldn't have been put in that situation. You know, you win as a team, you lose as a team. You know, one play doesn't define a game. It doesn't define a season. I know people are going to be out there saying that. You know, we got to be there for him because, again, we execute a couple plays prior, probably singing a different tune right now. Yeah, why is Josh Allen going to the end zone on second and nine and third and nine Cause that's, from the 30-yard line? Why is a catching the ball? I mean, he had Diggs, open checkdowns. He did. Diggs is the guy that is – I mean, he, he's kind of turned the diva act on and off from time to time about getting the ball – they get him the ball early. He fumbles. A couple of drops. He needs to really have a, a great season next year. And I love watching him play, but make some plays, it's, brother. It's time for a Bills revamp. And if I'm the Bills, I'm looking squarely at Stephon Diggs offensively and Von Miller defensively. Two guys you're paying a lot of money to that aren't performing up to that expectation. I love Von Miller, but I think it's time for Von Miller to be done in Buffalo. I think it's time for Stephon Diggs to be done in Buffalo. And it's time to use that salary in other ways. It, it's time for a revamp in Buffalo because clearly what you're doing isn't working. Uh, you just got to make a kick. Oh, yeah, find a new kicker, too, while you're at it. <laughs> they, they may. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time this hour. We're 10 minutes away from Mr. Blackshirt, Charlie McBride, a Monday with Charlie. Blackshirt Hour continues on as Charlie McBride and then Jay Moore joins us. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Connor Clark, and a reminder about Pro Volleyball, is knocking on the door. The first ever Pro Volleyball Federation match coming up January 24th at CHI. Of course, the Atlanta Vibe come to town, and the Supernovas want you there. 7 p.m. for serve. Log on now, supernovas.com. Secure your season or single match tickets now. You're going to see world-class talent and you're going to see uh, players that have won at the highest of levels. National champions, All-Americans, Olympians. Join the volleyball movement sweeping across the country and see your major league. 
volleyball team, the Omaha Supernovas. Supernovas.com, 7 p.m. on the 24th at CHI. It's Wednesday, and how about the Supernovas? Number one in the preseason mm-hmm. poll. Number one. So a lot of talent on that squad. Yeah, they're year. incredible. Uh, they are loaded, they're talented, and they're going to get uh, all sorts of support, and go check them out for sure. Will Husker Hoops, Jawan Gary to Instagram, Elijah Cotter, and uh, that's a good sign, uh, game time decision. I'm glad uh, Jawan is feeling better, good dude, really good dude, dude uh, necessary for that team. I think Sammy Hoiberg said it right when it comes to you know, that business mentality in today's presser. And, you know, Nebraska survived. And you're going you're gonna to survive a team like Northwestern, even at home. Uh, good luck beating them on the road. Uh, and that's to most of the Big Ten. They're just super talented and pretty gritty, and, and they've got all sorts of shooters. And that's a, good, that's a really good home win for Nebraska. Uh, I don't think Nebraska fans take home wins for granted although the teams elevated themselves at PBA this year. And, and you mentioned the Instagram post. Connor alerted me to this. Jawan Gary, great Instagram ha- handle. Juan Witt de Butter yes. is his Instagram <laughs> handle. Love that. Uh, but just a picture of him on the court uh, with uh, an emoji down below reading in between the lines. Strikes me as a guy who wants to play with that Instagram post. Maybe that the team doesn't want him to to try to take it slow. <sighs> I think he wants to play, and I think he's just that kind of guy. Uh, with as much as he's been through in his basketball career, I don't, don't think he re-injure. wants to miss more time than he has to. I'd be surprised if he did play. I, I'm i sure he's itching to get back out Too there. Too soon, isn't it? But I'd be surprised. But, and, and one more note on that Northwestern game, too. I think escape might be, I don't want to say the wrong adjective, but a soft... Uh, Northwestern was 5-1 and one in games decided by five or less. They So you come, but you beat them. They won ugly. Yeah. Maybe mm-hmm. not escape, but they won ugly and a win's a win. How important is you're up is eleven? Night, you're up eleven a couple of times, and yeah. then you gotta you gotta hit a shot to to finally put him down. Mm-hmm. Escape. Yes, <laughs> Connor. What's Fair. the importance in your mind of tomorrow night? I think it's pretty important because you go on the road uh, on Saturday, and obviously you've not had success on the road. So take care of home court against an Ohio State team that will maybe make the tournament. Yeah, they look they're, like they should. They're ten above you in the net ranking too, which I know a lot of people hold a lot of a lot of weight in as well. So. It's a good Ohio State team coming to town, so it's going to be a big game. An Ohio State team, I believe, that has not won on the road yet this year. They're 0-3. And don't be there first. Connor will uh, be down at PBA tomorrow night. We'll check in with him there. Uh, Brennan from the Black Hills, which is worse, tying the two tortured fan bases together, uh, a fake punt on fourth and five at your own 35, or an onside kick in Ireland. Hmm. Way on it. Both arguably fireable. Yes. Uh, Coach McBride's next. This is Christian Peter. I'm sorry, but the stories I have about Charlie are not appropriate for the public. The right case of the Mondays. It's Mr. Blackshirt, Charlie McBride, on Hale Varsity Radio. It's that time, a Monday with Charlie. Mr. Blackshirt is back. Charlie McBride, Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Cornhead Lager, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Connor Clark. We say hi to the coach. Coach, are you buried in snow or are things thawing out for you? Thought uh, out yeah, for up you. here we get snow and then it rains and turns to ice and then snows again and so we got about two inches of ice underneath our snow it's beautiful <laughs> <laughs> do you know how to, let me ask do you know how to ice skate and if so do you just put them on to go to the store 
Yeah, the guy the guys are out ice skating today. The kids went down the way. They actually come from California, and they come for a few weeks in the winter, and uh, they uh, they shovel us up. They have a snow blower, and they get it cleaned out the ice, and they go skating at night. They have a light, and they have a good time. Charlie McBride's with his coach. Uh, I want to start off with some basketball before we get into football, and had a chance to say hi to Danny Nee on on Saturday, and I know. You and Coach Nee connected from time to time, but it was a really cool moment for him and in his 93-94 team on Saturday to, to get honored. Did you get a chance to watch any of Nebraska on Saturday? Yeah, well, I, I did. I did, and uh, yeah, so I, 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 did, I haven't had a chance. I didn't have a chance, of course, to talk to Danny, but he was a great guy, and I we were we – were, uh, spoke, you know, probably at least once a week on the phone or something. And, uh, but I got to know him pretty well as when he was here. Uh, so it was, it was nice to see him come back. It was kind of, I felt a little bit like it was kind of nice to see Frank come back. And when he came, when Danny came back, I think it was, you know, kind of was icing on the cake of the, of that whole kind of regime that he had. And, Mm -hmm. You know he 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 was he was a good man and um, you know he worked hard at at the game. I, I know uh, a lot of the guys that worked for him, Gary uh, Bargain that worked for him. You know, Rudy's got a lot of them too. Coach, one of the things we we talked about last week on the show and also on our, our Saturday morning show was that. Danny Nee, one of the most admirable things from an outside perspective looking in on him was that he, he kind of embraced the role of being a, a basketball coach at a football school. He didn't hold any ill will about that, and, and he really worked with what he had in that sense. Do you have any, any memories of Danny Nee and, and his, his times, you know, being the basketball coach but still embracing being that, that coach at a football school? Yeah, well, Danny lived out at, out at Firethorn, out in that area out there, and he uh... – he played. He started playing a lot of a lot of golf. That's the one thing that I, you know, I kind of hooked up with him a little bit, uh, you know, a couple of times, and and was able to get to know him a little better when when he first got out out there, because um, I had looked at the same place that he ended up buying, and, and as, it, as it was, and um, you know, he lived right there. Pat Claire, Doctor Claire, lived right down the street, and so. All of those guys that live out there, um, Sunberg, he's passed now, Mr. Sunberg, that, uh, you know, Craig played for us and was a quarterback and stuff like that. But Danny, he got, Danny was very, you know, was, was real close to football guys. And, um, you know, and usually a lot of times that, that, that doesn't happen. But with him, uh, it was easy. I think it would have been interesting. You said you looked at the same place he bought, and it got me thinking. A sitcom with Charlie McBride and Danny Nee living under the same roof probably would have made millions. Yeah, could you guys have been roommates? <laughs> well, I don't know exactly what you know what you mean by that, but I mean, well, well, you know, <laughs> well, no, let me clarify. <laughs> I'm, I'm saying, could you guys have have? Shared a house like two buddies oh, yeah. is what I mean. Oh, yeah. Oh, probably. <laughs> <laughs> we're, 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 
We're both we're both rotten, so either we're going to work out. Good. That's that's what I, that's what I meant, Coach. Uh, Charlie, I don't know what you mean by that. Wait, that's the loud screeching brakes to an interview. Oh man, uh, Coach, uh, let's switch to football. Um, and uh, are we both get us in trouble? <laughs> Possibly. Uh, possibly, but uh, we are overreacting to to Dylan Raiola, but had a had a pretty good showing at the uh, Polynesian Bowl on Friday night, and the All Star team Carter Nelson there, also Tamua, the the offensive lineman for Nebraska, performed pretty well. But what are your thoughts with uh, with uh, you know Dylan coming in as you know winter conditioning's uh, ramped up and ready to go today? Well, I think one one of the things with winter conditioning is 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 that uh, you know I I don't I've never seen their program as far as you know agility work and footwork stuff and flexibility and stuff like that I you know I think those things are really important because I know a lot of guys are they just spend time talking about lifting weights and stuff like that and there is, there is a couple of things that I learned a long time ago, and one one was a, from a kid named Mike Webster who played in the NFL for a long time, and we're re- very close. And um, Mike traveled around the world. He was so interested in weight training and tried to find a way to lift just for football, and he did that and came back and, uh, you know, explained it to me how it worked, and it was pretty simple, but... You know, a lot of a lot of schools have different ways of doing things, and and so it's that way. But you know, we we looked at Penn State one time when we played them, and I didn't see a belly hanging over a belt buckle there at all. I mean, and they were just like, I mean, they were they were good athletes, and so I think you know you need to develop these kids in in different in different ways, and uh, I think you know there's flexibility and that those things are really important we even brad brought the track coach over and and taught some of those big kids how to run and they had running drills and stuff like that so there was a lot of things in 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 there where we did some teaching as well as had a had you know a, a program for flexibility and speed work and things like that Charlie McBride with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Charlie, when you think about getting these these kids acclimated and in, in, in with the team, is there any important steps to be taken in the next, say, three months before spring football to make sure that the freshmen feel comfortable and, and, and welcomed by the team? Is there anything you tell the upperclassmen? What does that process look like? Well, that, that's that's a really really important thing to, to have to have done is to get the older guys involved in. That's that's primarily what we talk about it a lot during the year and and stuff like that and 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 eating with them and going you know don't just you know not know them because you, you can't you're going to be playing with some of them and if you don't even really know them that well it's kind of funny your team doesn't feel like you know it's really some kind of brotherhood that you're trying to accomplish. So the you know it's up to the older you know any older meaning sophomores juniors and seniors to make it easy for these guys especially these guys coming in on portal because it's uh, you know it's really hard to play a game when you really don't know you know some of the guys that you're playing with 
And so that's that's an important thing. But the coaches have to stay in contact with, uh, you know, with the players. And a lot of times they kind of lean on the guys that recruited them at first. Uh, I think, you know, there's a whole list of things that you need to do as time goes on. You need to find out. You know, I know you guys were talking the other day about uh, uh, turn, you know, what turns you on and what doesn't. Well, each kid is as different as his face, mm-hmm. and they learn differently. And so, you got to find that out. And they can take, you know, they can take uh, um, orders and things like that differently. You can, some guys you can holler at and get after them, and they get that motivates them. And some guys. They don't like to have somebody yelling at you. And so you have to know those things. And that's why with freshmen, I always started them out hard and uh, found out what, you know, you can find out pretty quick, you know, where they are. And as far as their, you know, their, their feelings, a lot of times they've had coaches that are on them all the time. And, um, but, you know, and, and then you get, you come here and, uh, you know, you, you either get somebody, it's on you all the time or somebody that's not and if you know they don't know what you you know how you can react to it and you can't you never find out what turns them on or off coach charlie mcbride is with us on hill varsity radio and coach you briefly mentioned it in that previous answer about how the sophomores juniors and seniors i mean a part of their job is to take the freshmen under the wing and a lot of People say that good teams are coach-owned and great teams are player-owned. What kind of a role does the upperclassmen taking the freshmen under their wing play into that, and how much does that really affect the team moving forward? It affects the team a lot. Uh, you know, the leadership part comes out there. You know, and, and the younger guys see who the leaders are, and if they walk around disaster, why who the, you know, who leads this team, and, it, and they're confused, and it can confuse them. A little bit because they've gone through high school and they've been leaders and a lot of them are you know hold back because seniors are a lot of times kids are different and and a lot of times kids resent the fact that if you're trying to lead and or you're really a young guy and you really don't know everybody and it, it, it you know kind of rubs some guys the wrong way and where other where younger guys are just trying to do their best to you know, make the make the program go and and get guys to follow them and do work. But uh, you know, and, but the seniors are the guys that and mainly are the are the ones and and uh, and juniors and 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 I think it all happens off the field too. I mean, in the chow hall, in the dorm, stuff like that. And and of course, the coaches coaches are always you know, involved in stuff off the field, too. You know, they they only have some get-togethers. But uh, I think, you know, going in the locker room, sometimes we used to go in where the freshmen were a lot and sit down and talk to them and and meet some of the guys we didn't know. You know, because, I mean, we have to do be the same thing. We have to do the same thing because there's – maybe you shook hands with them or something like that, uh, you know, or, you know, you can usually break it break it up pretty good by saying you know i remember you were 22 i remember seeing you on film and i remember doing this and you know and and talking to them about their past a little bit and then breaking with them that way but uh you know so we spent some time with with the kids both ways whether they're on offense or defense or anything because 
I mean, I was as, I was close to some of the offensive guys, uh, and and of course we worked together a lot. The offense and defense uh, lines worked together, so I knew a lot of those offensive guys pretty good. And uh, you know, and th- those are the kind of things that that happen. I think when they kids feel comfortable and I feel like they're wanted, you're going to have a football team. Charlie McBride's with us at Tail Varsity Radio Monday with Charlie and Black Shirt Monday. Coach, we'll get you out on this, and it's fun to, to talk with you uh, every Monday. We really appreciate it. Wanted to get your thought on, on the Chiefs and Bills game. Did you catch a lot of NFL this weekend? Yeah, that thing were cold. Oh, they make me cold looking at them <laughs> playing, but... I'll tell you what, there was there was some guys doing a little extra, you know what I mean? Yeah. You can tell when they really want to win, you know, sometimes there's a little extra on the end of the tackles and there's some, you know, a little extra pushing the guy off the field, and, <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff. And uh, But I was I was happy for the Chiefs. I mean, you know, living in Lincoln, I know we had a lot of Chief fans there. And uh, so I was kind of, you know, kind of pulling for them. And, uh, but... You know, when you're when you're in Michigan, you just kind of keep your mouth shut and go your way, <laughs> go on your way, because you find all kinds of them here. Mm. Well, Detroit's a great story, and they've got a oh, yeah. tall task against San Francisco, but should be a pretty good ball game. Well, that's they're excited about that here. I mean, they really are. It hasn't been what for fifty years, forty some years <laughs> since they were in a in this disposition at all. And uh, so it's pretty pretty exciting for the people here having somebody, you know, in football do it like that, like they're playing now. Well, I mean, last time the, the Lions won a championship. 57. Yeah, I say Charlie was still playing. He was a freshman. <laughs> well, they, they, these, I'll tell you what, they got some no-name that are good football players, mm-hmm. and that's where they came from. And I, that kid from Michigan and – He's doing a heck of a job, and I think he's in his second year now. And uh, I think he leads his team in sacks and everything, and he's really doing well. He's a motor guy, and he's he's going a million miles an hour all the time, and he's fun to watch. Yep, uh, Hutchinson's been great, and Jack Campbell at linebackers, yeah, kind of a boy, throwback player. That's and, what I mean. They know how to win. Yeah, they do. They do a great job. Coach, you stay warm. And uh, get out on that ice and go score a goal, okay? <laughs> I'll stay warm, that's for sure. <laughs> I'm going to hide out is what I'm going to do. I think oh, Charlie's more have to hide out or they get sick and die. Yeah, well, it is, it is cold. You stay warm and we'll holler, at, we'll holler at you again next Monday. You take care. Thanks again. Okay. Thanks, guys. Talk to you later. Mm-hmm. Bye now. There he is, Mr. Blackshirt, Charlie McBride. A Monday with Charlie. And uh, he and Danny, uh, they had a good time, man. They were, and, you know, Danny uh, Danny did a hell of a job recruiting Chicago when he was at Nebraska. And that's that's Charlie's town, of course, is, is Chicago. So, uh, loved hearing a little bit about Danny and some NFL. And, yep, your, your team building right now, that chemistry, is uh, ultra key for, uh, for year two of Coach Rule and Company, he's done a good job of, of pouring that cement. We'll uh, hear from Jay Moore. Second part of the Black Shirt Hour continues. It's Hale Varsity, and we're powered by Cornhead Lager. All 
All-State, two-year starter, and rush in for the Big Red and NFL vet. He's Dudeness or uh, Duder or, uh, you know, El Duderino if you're not into the whole brevity thing. It's Blackshirt Jay Moore with Hale Varsity Radio. Back into it, the Black Shirt Hour continues. Hail Varsity Radio, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Connor Clark. We say hi to Black Shirt Husker NFLer, co-host, Big Red Wrap-Up, Jay Moore with us at Jay Moore 44. And Bird, just because it's so warm outside, I didn't think you'd be wearing sleeves today, man. <laughs> Talk about a heat wave. Man, I went outside. This, I took uh, Mab to school this morning at, you know, 730. I'm like, I had my workout gear on still, and I'm like, geesh, this is... You can wear shorts. It feels fantastic. It's 30 degrees at 730. It's it, amazing. It, it did, uh, comparatively speaking. But, hey, uh, it was uh, all sorts of cold, and there was human sacrifice. There was tables burned and destroyed. And we'll get right into the NFL before we talk some Huskers. Uh, still not enough for the Bills. We talked a little bit in hour one about tortured fan bases and you feel for them. That said, I thought Kansas City was fantastic with their run game. Yeah, I didn't really know what, you know, I think people tried to make a lot of out of, you know, that Patrick Mahomes has never played a playoff game away from Arrowhead Stadium. And I was like, ah, there might be something to that. And talking about the weather, I'm like, well, they just won a football game and, you know, negative 20 degrees the week before, so I'm not worried too much on that. Uh, They were just... You know, the last time they played just a few weeks ago, they didn't have uh, Pacheco. So, like, I think that hap- that that uh, helped them out immensely in this game. And, I, you know, their ability to run the football, you know, early on, Buffalo's ability to run the football. But that Steve Spagnuolo defense is able to kind of make some tweaks in the second half and, and especially later in the third quarter, earlier in the fourth, kind of bring an extra guy down in the box to make some, some plays in that run game uh, that really honestly made the difference late. Uh, but what a, what a fantastic game. Every time these two teams get together, it is back and forth. You just don't know what to expect. You feel like whoever has the ball last is going to win. And, unfortunately, another wide right field goal for the Bills in this one. Yeah, Jane, you talk about the wide right field goal. So many times in their history have they come up just short, but particularly over the past couple of seasons with Josh Allen at the helm, they keep on falling just short, and it's usually the Chiefs doing it to them. With, with Josh Allen's bigger contract kicking in here next season is it time for the, the bills to to blow it up and, and start afresh and, and try again or do you think that them being this close is evidence that what they have going right now is working uh, i don't know if it's it's blow it up i think they have unfortunately uh, they were beat up on defense coming to this game I, I know that that hurt them a little bit i think they only dressed what four total linebackers in in this game that's hard to do that's so hard that your guys are, you know, your linebackers are playing a lot of special teams. And uh, it's just, it's it's tough to, uh, I know I, I, NFL, they didn't play a total amount of snaps. I don't think Kansas City got over 50 total snaps offensively. Uh, but it's just hard. It's this time of the season. Your body's so beat up. Uh, you need some fresh guys to kind of spell each other. So I think that was a little bit of an issue. I think it honestly, in, in past, I think, Looking at, I know they got beat by the Bengals last year in the same round in Buffalo, but I think they were pretty beat up at that time as well. Uh, I think it's just the timing of it. Injuries are going to happen. Uh, I don't think you need to overreact whatsoever. I think Josh Allen is a hell of a quarterback. I think he has some, some fantastic weapons around him. I think 
the tight ends that he has there are really, really good. Uh, you know, I think Diggs is, is really, really good. Uh, you probably could always protect him more. You could look maybe at revamping your old line potentially if you want to. But overall, I wouldn't blow it up, man. They're, I know they struggled early on this year, and I, I think they got rid of Ken Dorsey halfway through the season uh, and, and changed uh, some things up offensively. They're going to get there. I, I, I do. I, I think there's a, they're going to have their year coming. Guys are going to stay healthy. They're just going to get the uh, bounce the ball. Um, but I tell you what, just being in that league <laughs> – just you know, the little amount of time that I, I had spent there, uh, it's so hard to win. And they, you know, they've you get. Yeah, I know you want to make it deep into into the playoffs, and the, the talent is there, and you want to make a Super Bowl. Obviously, but sometimes uh, they need a little perspective. It's like, gosh dang, you know what? It's we're we're close. They're very very close, uh, and I'd hate for them to you know blow it up and and have to start over and 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 go through the rebuilding phases and all that stuff to and deal in. Maybe take a few steps back, hopefully gain a, a couple more forward. I don't know. I, I think that what they got going right now is pretty darn good. And I guess I should clarify with what I mean by blow it up. I look back to the Broncos after they got humiliated by the Seahawks. What do they do? They completely revamp their roster, become a defensive football team. They 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 trade away a lot of their offensive weapons. They invest in some draft capital. They get a couple free agents on the defensive side of the ball, and they revamp. I guess I'm not saying completely blow it up, but but. I'm wondering if this is going to be an offseason where the Bills try to change up their own identity and, and you know try to win in a different way with Josh Allen. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, yeah, it, it, I'm glad you clarified. And um, you know, you look at defensively, you know, Von Miller. I know they're probably paying him a lot of money. Is he's getting older? You know, do you could you? Their whole D's old. What's that? So they're all, all their defense is yeah. old. We're talking yeah. early to, to like low 30s. Yeah, and. Uh, Oh, no one likes an old D. Yeah, you gotta you gotta be young. Um, gosh, I can't think of the other defensive lineman that was a really good player that came. Lenville Joseph is well, like 35, another, 36. Yeah, yeah, but you just probably might have to take a look. Uh, there's some good talent coming up in the draft, and I don't know, they're you know where they're slated at currently. If they have some other picks that they you know maybe have traded into, but um, just an interesting situation. It's it's it's. You know, it's just a fun situation for us as fans, just because with AFC and and you have you've had Mahomes and Allen, you have you know Lawrence in, in Jacksonville, uh, Herbert going to get a new head coach here in, in with the Chargers. Who knows you know, with those kind of four guys there and how you know it's just probably between those four teams, it just it seems like it has been the last you know three four years. And I know this is the sixth straight year that uh, the Chiefs has made the AFC championship game, so. Um, they're probably don't get me wrong. They're going to be looking to you got to change that. You can't keep doing the same thing expecting the, a different result. Don't, I, I I truly understand that, but I wouldn't go too crazy, right? Just don't uh, don't need to revamp too much. You're you're close. You just got to stay a little healthy, healthier, and and get a couple of bounces. You guys just got to catch a ball. I mean, Allen put some balls on guys late in the game. They just dropped. And I know they're tough catches, but he put them right there. They just got to kind of make a play when you need to make a play. Jay Moore with us on Hill Varsity Radio. Over to the NFC, Packers and 49ers. You could make the argument that a lot of people think the Packers should have won that game just based off the way that Jordan Love played throughout pretty much 59 of the 60 minutes and the fact that Brock Purdy didn't look that good as well. So what are your takeaways from that game, and do you have any concerns about the 49ers going forward? Um, a little bit. I, I, th- I was kind of expecting that game. I think it – 
it's hard. I mean, the, the Ravens proved this, you know, philosophy wrong. I, I, I think the teams that get to play in the wild card weekend almost have a leg up um, sometimes against the teams that get to buy in the divisional round. I, I kind of liken it to the NCAA tournament. You see a lot of those upsets from teams who play a, a, a play-in game, you know, like a 12 seed or 11 seed that goes and plays that six seed. And you see those upsets uh, quite quite often because they got they just got to knock the rust off. It just it's just you got to play some you know real uh, ball when it matters, mm-hmm. and you can just kind of get a little bit of an advantage. Uh, and I think I was fully expecting that with the Green Bay games. What they did against Dallas was I did not expect, uh, but I didn't expect San Francisco to come out that flat. They just not they didn't play good, and they got they got they're Frank just flat out lucky. I mean, early in that. First quarter, pretty throw should have thrown a pick. It hit him the dude right in the numbers. He dropped it. I'm pretty sure they dropped another pick late in the game as well. In the, in the end, close to the end zone, uh, it really just came down to, you know, last week the the, the Packers were able to, to capitalize in the red zone against the Cowboys. They got touchdowns. They did not. They were able to do that against the 49ers. A lot of field goals. Now, now San Francisco's defense is really, really good, uh, if not better than the Cowboys. You know, for the majority of the year. Uh, but the, the biggest thing just comes down to is to love, you know, Jordan loves two interceptions. That's 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 separated that game right there. This, the, the the 49ers snuck away with it. They got to be, they are uh, counting their blessings because they should got beat. They did not, mm-hmm. pretty did not play good. Uh, they found some things with McCaffrey uh, and Kittle got good, but you know, without Debo Samuel, you know, that, the offense has struggled at times uh, early in the year, in the middle of the year where Debo was hurt. They, you know, you just you have one less guy to focus on. So going forward, I'm not sure. I haven't heard what Debo's uh, injury status is going into the NFC Championship game, but if he's not healthy, man, it's going to be it's going to be an interesting matchup between them and the Lions. Jay Moore is with us, uh, co-host, Big Red Wrap Up, Hail Varsity Radio, and uh, let's kind of go to the conference championships. Who do you like here? Do you go in Baltimore and Lamar? Or does KC keep the mo going? Also, Detroit's a great story. They're fun. People love Coach Campbell. Uh, San Francisco, if they, you know, try and just go with what's working, sometimes Shanahan seems to want to want to do it his way. Versus, I don't know, you can hand the ball off to twenty five to thirty times to, to McCaffrey, and that's okay too. He doesn't always do that, uh, but there's that option. So. When we look at these conference title games, who you, where are you leaning and who do you like? I like the home teams. The same two teams that we discussed, you know, months prior. I just thought, you know, the 49ers and the Ravens are the best two teams in the league. I know they just played a few weeks, you know, uh, around Christmas time, and the Ravens got the best of that one. And I know 49ers threw five interceptions or five turnovers in that game. I just think the, the Ravens, that defense is really, really good. Lamar Jackson, MVP-type season, his ability to throw and run it, and his ability to lead and kind of take a game over, it's special. I think the Chiefs, though, I, uh, are a very underrated defense, not allowing any points, you know, no games over 30 points so far this season. I did not realize that, uh, just hearing it in the game uh, against the Bills. I mean, C- Spagnuolo is a, is a really, really good coach. I was with the Rams when he was the head coach. Um, really, really smart and uh, has done a really good job with that with that defense. So that's going to be a fantastic matchup. It's just kind of pick your poison in that one because you get a dual threat quarterback. Uh, it's it's just another it's just another task that you have to you have to worry about. Uh, same with you know same with Josh Allen, right? I mean his his ability to run the football and utilize that 
especially in the red zone, is it just it's eleven on eleven football instead of ten on eleven uh, in the tra- in the traditional sense. But I still like the Ravens in this one. I think they got it going. They're hot. Uh, you know, they went and tied at half against against the Texans and then didn't allow them to score. I mean, the defense didn't even give up a touchdown. The only touchdown they gave was a punt return. So that defense is playing fantastic. NFC wise. I love the Lions story. It's been fun. Huge uh, Dan Campbell fan. Uh, I just think, I, I think, unfortunately, that's going to come to an end. I think the 49ers got a little bit of a wake-up call, and it's like, hey, we can't keep slipping up. I think the 49ers are going to get, get this one done. I think it's, it's going to be a grind, though. I think it's going to be a close battle. I think both games are going to be really, really good. I would not expect uh, any team to just completely run away with uh, either game. So I think we're going to see 49ers Ravens like we all kind of predicted and, and discussed in, in Vegas and in a few weeks. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Jay Moore is with us, uh, co-host Big Red Wrap Up, Hale Varsity Radio. Well, my question is, if if Jay Moore was working security at uh, Buffalo and you were called to a suite with a 300-pound center shirtless, would you tell that man to put his shirt back on? Absolutely not. <laughs> Own it. Own it, baby. The business he decision. Did. He owned it. He, he did. He did. That, yeah. It was great. I loved it. It's fun. I mean, enjoy it. He's, you know, watching his brother play. He's probably going to retire. He's had a hell of a career. You know, his beer of choice and Bud Light was a questionable, but that might have been the only thing I did in the suite. You know, I can think of about... 17 other things I'd want to drink besides a Bud Light, but... If only they had uh, Cornhead Lager in that suite. Yeah, thing. right. Yeah. So shout out <laughs> so, uh, title uh, sponsor. <laughs> no, it's fun. I mean, come on. It's it's a it's, it's a circus up there anyways between between Taylor Swift and and then Mahomes' wife. And you got you got Jason Kelsey up there with a stocking cat and his hairy belly just out there. It was great. It's awesome. I mean, I I, I know it, the, the the Bills fans couldn't be too upset because he kind of embraced their culture too. Well, he took a giant shot of whatever the hell concoction they had in the uh, the, the old jug. I saw that tailgating. Mm-hmm. I saw that. So he uh, he great. You know he uh, immersed himself in Bills Mafia culture pregame. See, it's, it's funny. All you have to do to to earn the respect of Bills Mafia is to drink irresponsibly. Yeah. <laughs> put Easy. A, and break put out a few, you know, jump on a few tables and yeah. break them. <laughs> you know, start on maybe catch yourself on fire real quick. Jump in a pit. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> well, Jay, uh, thoughts on on Coach Rule and winter conditioning underway. Nebraska uh, has roster options, uh, and uh, of course they've got uh, Big Dog. Dylan Raiola it, it enrolled and things are going here, but it's, you know what, it's uh, season two already for Nebraska and Coach Rule. Yeah, pretty important time. One of the most important times of the season. Uh, this is where you kind of get bigger, faster, stronger. Uh, you kind of, you really are implementing uh, mental toughness, leadership, a lot of things going on that get you ready, that takes you into spring ball, that takes you into fall camp, that takes you into the season. So this is, this is where that foundation is laid right now in 2024. And once that's built, then you can kind of start fine-tuning it. You can, you know, you, got, you can start adding a little bit of the, the finer details um, into the plan. But this is important. It's, it's time to uh, get all the transfers in, get them up to speed, get the young freshmen that are coming in, get them up to speed, and, and really solidify what you built last year and, and then take that and then add to that, right? You just got to start stacking it. Uh, they did a lot of good things last year. Obviously, how the season finished, those last four games, 
wasn't great, but I still think what they're able to do in certain situations and, and just with the mindset and mental toughness, you got to take that over and transfer it into 2024. And that's the time it happens right now. So it's, uh, this is, it's, it's a, it's a, I know it's, you look outside and, uh, and the weather isn't, isn't great. This is the, it's a time where you got to kind of embrace the, like we said, embrace the suck and, uh, and get better. And, uh, you know, the only easy day was yesterday type of mentality. And uh, you just got to go get after it and uh, you earn everything you get, work your tail off. And, you know, there should they should be hungry. You know, they should be really, really hungry because this, this team hasn't gotten uh, near to anything where they should be. And I know they got close last year to getting over the hump and, and getting that, you know, getting that bowl game, you know, monkey off their back. And that's really close. You know, it's this, this team, you know, and, you know, with rules kind of, track record year one struggles year two makes that significant jump can this team make that significant jump and embrace that and uh get it done it's jay moore with us here at hail varsity radio and jay let's go to friday night's polynesian bowl the, the, the question is simple here. Does it matter? Does what we saw matter? I tried to throw some cold water on this on Friday. Like, you know what? Look at the, the natural talent, the raw ability. Don't look at some of the quarterbacking things that can be difficult. Similar to an NFL combine. Uh, when you don't have the time to work with your wide receivers, or you're not going to be watching film all week long, it, it kind of means you have to take it with a grain of salt. Is that your take on Friday night's Polynesian Bowl with, with Dylan Rell's performance? It's, it's not really about stats or anything like that. It's about raw ability, and the kid can go out there and have some fun. Totally. I mean, it's not even a grain of salt. It's like a whole <laughs> vial, you know, whatever, you know, the, the, it's, uh, I mean, I didn't even, I, I'll be frank. Like I, I, I saw highlights. I did not watch one snap of the game. I just saw, you know, the highlights from, you know, social media. Uh, I just, so much is, is put on these kids play young kids. I get it. Uh, Dylan Ryle, I understand, um, his ability and, and the pressures and all those things. I just, he's still 18 years old and a lot, a lot changes when he steps on campus. And I know he's probably going to be day one starter, uh, when he steps in this, on this, um, when he gets on campus here, probably now. Uh, and that's fine. That's okay. Uh, I just, I'm not going to overreact to how, um, a kid who's got out of high school performs in an all-star game or, you know, even performs in a, in a, in a, in a first year, uh, it will, um, or maybe even performs in a spring game. You know, because we'll be talking about that when that happens, too. So uh, it's fun. It's something to talk about. It's something to, to uh, watch and, and look at. And if you want to go deep in the weeds and diagnose everything and, and go for it, go all for it. I'm sure there's, there's uh, people have done it. I just don't I, – I have energy to be put somewhere else to be sized. Uh, you get together, some, some kids together for a few days at practice and – and you go play a game, and, and ideally they're probably looking forward to a trip, a free trip to Hawaii more than the, the game itself, right? So um, I'm glad everyone came out healthy, first and foremost. We saw some good things, and that's, that's awesome. Uh, but now it's time to get to real work and, uh, and develop and really live up to your hype. That's the biggest thing for Dylan is live up, step on campus, man. You, you, uh, people know this Rayola name, and it's, it's littered all over the stadium. But it's time to, you know, validate, right? And uh, it's not going to be easy. All eyes are going to be on them. The pressure's on them. And uh, pre- being, being under pressure is a privilege. And I think he's going to welcome that privilege and uh, embrace it and try to get better every day. 
Jay, about a minute here, how does Dylan Riola kind of separate himself from the distractions when he gets to campus and kind of going through a new stage of his life? Because I know he's kind of grown up in the spotlight, at least in the last couple of years, but how does he kind of block that out when he gets here? Man, he's got to do the, do the necessary things and go above and beyond. Should be the first one there. He should be the first one in the locker room. He should be the last one to leave. First one in the meetings, last one to leave. Uh, don't uh, act, you know, like you're uh, entitled to anything because you're not. I don't care who your dad was. I don't care who, uh, how much NIL money you're getting or who your uncle is. It shouldn't matter. And I know he's been brought up that way as well. Uh, but first one in, first one out, you know, you're going to have to embrace them. That you're, I'm sure he has to do some things that freshmen have to do, and that's good. Embrace it. But uh, fully commit uh, yourself to this situation because it's, it's, it's a fantastic situation to be um, a legacy. And uh, it's, I can't wait to see it. I can't wait to see him involved and um, get better and, and you know, be, become what we think he can become, right, which is a damn good uh, quarterback and hopefully lead this program to where it once was. Mm-hmm and where it does belong and kind of get us out of the, the dumps. And that's, that's a lot of pressure, but that's okay. Like I said, pressure's a, a privilege. If he was a, uh, a three-star recruit, would have been there. But he's a five-star, uh, one of the top-rated recruits in the nation. Hey, all eyes are on you, bud. And uh, let's kind of let's, let's take, take it for what it's worth, but uh, you got to kind of seize the day and, and, and capitalize. Jay Moore, Bird, take care. We'll check in next week. Yep, sounds good, boys. See ya. Good to spend a few minutes with Jay Moore, Blackshirt Husker NFL, or get the podcast, as always. Subscribe. Spotify, iTunes, Google Play with Hale Varsity Radio, or the Hale Varsity YouTube channel. We'll wind down a Monday next. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time, it's Hale Varsity. We're powered by Cornhead Logger, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Connor Clark. Find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio at Herbal Essence and at C underscore Clark underscore 27. That's where you can follow Connor. Find the show, follow the show at H Varsity Radio on X and then KFOR Sports on Twitter, KFOR Facebook, and wherever you hear us across the Hale Varsity Radio Network. Lastly, Subscribe and uh, put a thumbs up if you so choose or feel with the Hale Varsity YouTube channel. So lots of great comments, lots of incredible insight, and just quite frankly, uh, pain and, uh, well, conviction about the fan uh, bases you're you're supporting, uh, Nebraska for sure, but also some of the pro teams you, you choose and tortured fan bases was a was a good topic to go with today we didn't spend hardly any time on this and it was kind of put to bed because she took the high road with it but caitlin clark with iowa yesterday flop well that's just it i mean there's a ton of folks on social media saying flop there was surprise you had a female fan rush out filming on her phone you had a collision and then she spun and fell, and, and then uh, she was helped up. And she was fine, which is good. But the thing about fan bases rushing the court, you uh, she got it. She totally got it in the postgame with that's where 
we're at as a basketball program. If we get beat, that's what we should expect. Yeah, and that's that's a really that's a compliment. A good take. It's a compliment to you. Um, what I will say is I think the contact was real. I think Caitlin Clark being knocked to the floor was real. I'm not sure about the the ensuing 10 to 15 seconds of her laying on the floor. I think there is an element of when you get knocked down, you know what, like it's embarrassing how much of that was pride being hurt whenever you're mm-hmm. sitting on the floor after losing on your or on the she road. She took a little bit of time to gather getting, getting herself. She's yeah. on the road and probably a freaked out moment. Exactly. Exactly. Embellishment at the end of it, potentially, but at the end of the day, she's all right. The fans are right. That's what's really important. Let's move on. I really don't think. Yeah, I, I agree. Just move on. The only thing I would say, like quote unquote, negatively about what Caitlin did was like maybe like I, I understand you want to get off the floor. You just lost third storm of the court. Left your team. Maybe don't run because everybody else is running out of the court just like and again i'm not saying like it's her fault that she ran (laughs) off the court and ran into somebody i'm just saying like both of them obviously didn't see each other they're both running they both hit each other that's it's gonna happen uh but you know it's glad everybody's all right and um it would have been pretty i think detrimental if she actually suffered a a pretty serious injury so uh glad she's okay see matt pater went off on this post purdue almost three weeks ago, and it's one thing that the, the students do it. And how vicious, I'm going to ask you to generalize, Elijah and Connor, one being out of college, one almost out of college, but still close enough to it. Like, did you want to go party with the players, or did you want to go give hell to the, the, the team you didn't like that just got beat? When you rush the court, you, you want to go party with your fans. It's, yeah, I don't yeah, even think I it's agree. about the team. It's about partying with. So the you don't. Fans you, you're you're, you're not going to get in the face of an opposing player. No, no. would you? No. Well, and, and I don't think that's either of your personalities, but it does happen. I mean, it's like Tennessee, and, you, and you've seen guys get knocked the bleep out on the road. I you go party with your players. Yeah, that's how it should work. Yeah, that's a good take. All right, back at you tomorrow at four with Hale Varsity, powered by Cornhead Lager.